Hi ladies, you're listening to The Goodness Podcast. My name is Noor Tahini. I'm the co-founder of Goodness and I'll be your host today. Goodness was launched in 2018 as a platform dedicated to tackling topics surrounding women's health in a real and honest way. And we're continuing on that mission with the launch of this podcast series, which will feature real women and real stories from the Middle East. Hi, ladies. Hello. Hi. Hi. So today is the 10th episode recording for the Goodness Podcast. And we've teamed up with Puma to celebrate International Women's Day, which is March 8th and the day that this episode is airing. And we've also teamed up with them to celebrate the launch of the Rise Shoe, which is this gorgeous new shoe here. And it's a shoe that has inspired today's theme or discussion of women on the rise, which is why you're all here. But we're also joined by Marina from the Puma team, who's going to tell us a little bit about the shoe before we get started. Yeah, so uh, the rise is basically, it's our key women's story for the season. Um, We have Cara Delevingne, who is our ambassador for the shoe as well. Um, Many of you know her as a model, but she's also an actress. She's an activist. She's a UN ambassador as well. The shoe is inspired by clouds with with the materials, with the colors that are there as well. That's where the theme has come from, basically on the rise and also where we want to talk about the amazing females that we have worldwide, but also here in the region who are really sort of at the forefront of their industries and who are really trying to make a difference um, and who are hustling their way as well to the top. So that's a little bit about that. Thank you, ladies. Before we get started, I'd like to ask you to introduce yourselves just so that our listeners who are not watching the video format can get familiar with your voices. So, Harriet, do you want to go first? Sure. Um, I'm Harriet Stewart. I'm the director of sales and marketing for a corporation called PRG. Uh, that's in the daytime. Um, and what we do when I say daytime, we, we deliver events. So we deliver large scale special events, um, opening ceremonies for the Olympic Games, concert touring. Um, and when I say daytime, that's kind of because that is during the daytime. And then in the evening, I kind of work with my fiance. Uh, we co-founded a company called Idea and Associates. So mm-hmm. it's it's predominantly him. He's he's the face. Um, and I support him in many different ways. But that company is a design and engineering company. So very different, different industries. But then somehow they cross over so many times. So that's me. Nice. Aisha? Uh, I'm Aisha. And I am the co-founder, one of two co-founders of Mad Juice. Uh, missing my other half today. Hi, Nicola, love you. <laughs> um, and we are a creative agency. Uh, so it's my full time, 24 hours a day, lose a lot of sleep. But um, yeah, so we're a boutique creative agency. Uh, we do from we do branding, videography, photography, pretty much anything that you could ask for. We do it. But don't come ask us for crazy stuff. <laughs> How long have you been doing it for? So we've actually been doing it since uh, the end of 2017. Nice. So where does that bring us to? Almost, Almost three, three years. years. Two and a half years. Yeah, That's awesome. two and a half That's years. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. And Marina? Um, so I'm the marketing manager for Puma Middle East. Uh, we look after the region, the Levant, the GCC, Egypt, um, and a few other countries as well in East Africa. Um, and that's my full-time daytime job. Um, but I also run with high beams, run crew and sound system. So this is, um, a run crew that was co-founded by Puma and also some amazing individuals, uh, in the city here as well. And then I do a lot of other things when I have time. Nice. <laughs> Harriet, let's take it back to the very beginning. What did you want to be when you were growing up? Since the very beginning, a gymnast. Um, I trained from the age of five to 13, um, pretty much full time. It was five days a week. It was, that was my thing. That was what I was going to be. I was going to be the Olympic gymnast. Um, And then I guess I found boys at 13. (laughs) (laughs) as most people do and you know I think it was a joke about that it was actually just the tipping point of my it was the end of my career knowing that I was never going to be a professional athlete in that capacity so I finished I quit and then I was kind of like okay that's now gone from training all the time to filling time after school what activity can I do And it was actually when I was younger, I was quite, um, I was always athletic. So I did sprinting as well, but I had to make a decision when I was young, which one do I want to concentrate on? So I kind of went back into sprinting and uh, did uh, sprint hurdling for quite a few years. So I guess from the very beginning, it was always something sport related. Mm. Um, 
I didn't end up in the industry in terms of being as an athlete, but then I deliver some of the biggest shows and the biggest sporting events. So I kind of get my kick still out of that. Yeah. Am I mistaken in thinking that you held the title of the UAE's fastest woman for a few years? <laughs> Once upon a time, yes. That's crazy. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah, right. I, again, I was clinging on to my youth. Um, I'd had a really bad breakup and I ended up going back into training pretty much full time after, after hours. And yeah, I started sprinting again and my former coach, Omar, My goodness me, if I had have had him when I was younger, he was the man that I needed to probably drive me to a professional capacity in athletics. And I just didn't have him then. But my goodness me, I miss him. He moved back to the UK. He was just awesome. So yes, I held the title for a few years. Yeah. Only 100 meters. That's that's all I've run. Yeah. But I mean, (laughs) that's still, you're fast as hell. It was, what was the speed for 100? I think it was like 12.2 seconds. But again, when I was younger, I could run a little bit quicker than that. But yeah, it was, it was cool. That's Mm. awesome. How much of sort of the resilience that you develop through sports, how much of that serves you in your like day-to-day business life, especially when you're working like a day job and a night job? It's funny because my industry is so male dominated. Um, um, I think when you kind of, you grow up and you're mentally conditioning Mm. yourself, you're physically conditioning, but you're also mentally conditioning. Mm. And so, you know, I had to fight quite a lot through the early years especially uh in the middle east i think when when i fell into my industry it was very much a case of who is this girl and does she even know what she's talking about yeah and so and i really did find that quite often um in the beginning and that was before i really had the confidence so i used to have to really like lean on the the mental training that I'd learned and develop and you know you're never going to nail a somersault the first time you do it but the 10th time you do it you will yeah so I kind of took that approach unconsciously it wasn't a conscious thing but I think I just developed myself in that way Marina you're a runner as well yes sort of sort of you just you're running half uh, half marathon yes I'm training for a half marathon next month in Greece so we're uh, going with high beams to the Athens half marathon and then we're meeting up with a few different run crews um, from different markets as well Um, it's something that's that we do every single year sort of like a run crew meetup in a different location so last year we went to Lisbon and this year it's uh, in Athens so that'll be exciting Aisha do you run Okay, good. That makes two of us. Not at all. I do Pilates twice a week, but that's it. Where do you find you draw like your mental resilience and power for being an entrepreneurial woman? I think that's actually a really difficult question to answer. I think a lot of it comes very much with the work that we do um, because the whole company is totally run by mainly Nicole and I, we both do all of the creative, we don't have creatives who work for us, is very much that we are living in an environment where it's like, if the work doesn't get done, the company doesn't exist. Mm. So we work nonstop, because if you have a deadline, you have a deadline, you have a client who's paying, and that's it, you have to meet your deadline. So we will work in the office till like five o'clock in the morning. And that's just, it kind of reminds me a bit of uni, a tiny bit, like (laughs) having sleepless nights. Um, But very much we have built an environment around us that means that we have to be pushing ourselves all the the time because there's people relying on us and there's people paying us for, for our work. So yeah, it's very much a situation of it has to be done. Otherwise we don't exist. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. It's like you don't have the luxury of finding out what would happen if you didn't. Yeah, exactly. A lot of people think that when you start your own company, like, oh, that's so cool. You're your own boss. You can set your own hours. You can do whatever you want. You can wake up when you feel like it. And it's like, well, actually, technically, we're owned by our clients more than anything else. Because if the work doesn't like, okay, yeah, fine. I don't like this is an early morning for me. We don't do super early mornings. Mm. I'm not going to lie. But... It means that we make it up 
in the evening. Mm. Like, you know, most days we're in the office till 10 o'clock, 12 o'clock. That's a normal day for yeah. us. Yeah. So, yeah, it's exciting. And you have the luxury to not have to really answer to anybody on a daily basis. Mm. But we do have to answer to our clients and we do have to it's that extra responsibility because you're doing it for yourself. Also, it's extra motivation because you're doing it for yourself. Yeah. You know? Yeah. As women for whom career and work play a huge role, not just in what you do, but also who you are. Do you find that you had to sacrifice things in your personal life? Like, have you, does it mean that you've had less time to spend with friends? Does it mean that you've had to give up your piano lessons? Just speaking from experience. So <laughs> does it mean that? Um, and if so, how have you dealt with sort of the change in your life that that brings? I mean, Harriet, you work two jobs. So I don't know how, and you train. You find a balance. Mm. Um, yes, for sure. There's trade-offs absolutely it's just part of the process mm. because of how mm. the the day you know there's only 24 hours in a day yeah. so um how I've kind of divided my time is I'll only train in the morning so I never used to be a morning person but 5 a.m is now my friend mm. my alarm when it goes off actually I wake up pretty much every day at 5 a.m now wow. um but I'm in bed by nine um and then yeah you know it I think I have probably sacrificed some friendships. Yeah. Um, but it's quality, perhaps over quantity. Mm -hmm. And it's skipping a social occasion on a Friday because actually I just need to chill out. Yeah. Um, and probably recap on the week and spend some time with my partner. It's yeah. so I've I think I actively now make decisions because I was getting to a point where I was gonna burn out. Mm -hmm. And when I had to mentally check out from, from that, it was, okay, take a step back, design your life around the way that you want it, you see it in the next five years, make a plan, because I don't think many people do make those kind of plans. And as soon as I did, it was refreshing. I was no longer mentally exhausted. I was no longer physically exhausted. And actually, I just found that, I found my groove. Mm. I think, yeah. The whole burnout conversation is so valid right now. And mm. we just we just published a podcast episode actually with Georgie Bradley, who is a journalist living in Dubai. And she was talking about how she worked in Dubai's media industry and it completely burnt her out to the point where she had like physical symptoms. She had an eating disorder reemerge um, and she had to basically quit her job and go on a sabbatical. We were talking as well about how powerful it is to be able to design your life in the way that you want. And we joked that it was like such millennial speak in a way, because, mm -hmm. you know, it's not it's not your typical nine to six. But I think that even with a nine to six or a nine to five, you are able to have that sort of flexibility to work in what you want. So I wanted to ask you, Marina, like work life balance, fact or fiction? Um I guess it also, well, it depends first and foremost on the company that you're working yeah. at and, and where you're going. Um, I mean, I've been with Puma for a year and a half now. Uh, before that, I was with Red Bull for six years where I was working in music and nightlife. Um, and that also was quite intense because, of course, you have nighttime events, you have mm. setups during the day, um, sound checks and so forth. Um, and even with Puma, we do a lot of things on ground and out of the office. So it does get really, really tough um, to sort of find that work-life balance. And I think what you were also saying, Harriet, is, you know, you're you're in the office two thirds of your waking day. And in that one third where you have your own personal time, you have to see your family, see your friends, see your partner, yeah. um, exercise and, and, you know, do all these things. So um, the way that I also run my life is very, very scheduled. I have, mm -hmm. you know, Mondays I go here after work, Tuesdays I go there, Wednesdays I go there. And it does get exhausting at some point. I always look forward to vacations when I don't have a schedule. <laughs> I can just uh, yeah. get up and go for a coffee and then a third coffee and a fourth coffee and just kind of keep on doing that. Um, and I think especially here in the UAE and in Dubai, where it's such a busy city and things are, you know, it's a big city as well. So whatever you have to do, you have to actually make time for the travel in between mm -hmm. that. Um, if it doesn't end up being so great or if it's not what you were looking forward to then you know what do you do now where do you go if, yeah. if you made a plan and and it wasn't what you thought it was so I think um here especially you have to really really uh plan your time well for you do you work a lot at night like on set or is your work mostly in the office uh most of it is in the office we do every now and then have super long days when we're on shoot 
Uh, we did a 17-hour day in the desert. What? And it was not the winter. No. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, no, a lot of our super late nights are in the office. Um, but, yeah, I find for me burning out. Burning out, I think, is something that everybody struggles with. Yeah. Uh, no matter how they work or I think it's very much about finding what works for you it took me a while to realize that I like being by myself and I start to go I feel like I literally start to go crazy if I spend too much time Mm. if I don't have enough time to just be on my own Um, and sometimes even if I have a bit of a late night at the office I will make myself just not go straight to bed as soon as I get home. Like, just give myself, even if it's like five minutes or ten minutes just to read or to watch like a chunk of an episode of something, just so that for myself, I know I just had that little bit of time to myself in the day. You like decompress. Yeah, exactly. And I feel like it's, but it's different for everybody. Like Nicole, my partner, she's very much like she, for her, she goes crazy if she hasn't had the opportunity to socialize in any form. That doesn't mean just necessarily going out and going crazy on a night out, but just having that little bit of socializing. And because we're together all the time, it gets, especially if we're having like super, super late nights together, Mm -hmm. us two being together doesn't count as socializing anymore because we've just (laughs) spent like (laughs) all day at work together. But yeah, it's about finding that balance and what works for you. Yeah, for sure. On the topic of burnout. Yeah. I think we, um, in society these days, you are, you're constantly reachable. So mm. if you look back at our parents' generation and, you know, the age of writing a letter to each other or having a telephone conversation of an evening, it was never the constant ability mm. to catch up with somebody mm. or there was never... Um, From a client point of view, there was never an expectation that as soon as they sent you a message, there was an automatic response. So uh, for me, when I mentally check out how I do that is I will, um, in some certain parts of my day, you know, probably more in the evening, um, when we've done everything for idea and, you know, we're kind of sat on the sofa, I don't pick up my phone. I don't do the Instagram scroll, scroll. I don't do that because I was doing it and I was losing really precious quality time mm. with somebody that had chosen to sit next to me mm. for his life. And and so I had to really take a step back and mentally appreciate that. Filippo's amazing at stuff like that. He just does it anyway. Whereas I would always kind of be trying to catch up with somebody mm. or responding on WhatsApp. And, and it was taking my phone, placing it away from the sofa yeah. and, and actually just being in the moment. It's crazy because we're so reachable all the time and it's become okay to get work WhatsApps on a Friday mm-hmm. or a Saturday. Mm-hmm. And I feel like for all the benefits of social media, the lines have completely been crossed yeah. into 100%. like what is yeah. appropriate and what is not appropriate anymore. Yeah, 100%. It's even sure. like I've got a client, I, I have quite a big client base now in Saudi. So we're doing a lot of big spectacle events over in Saudi at the moment. I will get phone calls at midnight. Yeah. Like, mm. it's, it's okay to call me at midnight. So now, of course, my phone's on silent because I'm a nine o'clock girl, like I said. Um, and I'll wake up to WhatsApps, missed calls. Yeah. But I think I've got the respect now with my client base that they know they'll send me a message or they'll call me and I'll equally respond at 5 a.m. if I'm up and mm. I'm on my way to the mm. gym. So, yeah, yeah it's, it's just crazy. Yeah, I was just going to say it's about also setting that boundary from the get-go because mm-hmm. you do have clients that think that they can just call you and also ask you to do something and expect you to yeah. drop everything mm. and do it then I don't know if that happens everywhere else in the world but I do know that it happens yeah. a lot yeah. here and it's just about setting that boundary and from the beginning of that relationship because yeah. mm. obviously I think in any industry whether it's with a client or with a co-worker you are at the very beginning you are building that relationship and the tone that you set for that relationship mm. is so important because it determines mm. how the rest of your relationship works and yeah. functions. But yeah, that's such a big thing yeah. that people just, and they expect you as well to just respond. I think especially in your case, when you're a young entrepreneur trying to make it, you your behavior is slightly dictated by the industry around you, mm-hmm. right? So yeah. if everyone is promising clients 24-hour turnaround time on video production and you're like, 
There's yeah, I work, I work only from like nine to five, five days a week and I'm not reachable on the weekends. The client might be like, or you might fear that the client will be put off by that. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, of course. But we do, again, like I said, we do try to set that tone mm. from the beginning of the relationship. Like, yeah, we know that there are people that are going to offer it for, let's say, like offer it for a lot, a lot cheaper or they're going to offer it with a much quicker turnaround. And we do like to, obviously, we do do quick turnarounds. Mm. Um, we're working on a couple of psychotically <laughs> quick turnarounds at the moment. But um, it's very much that, again, like I said, you just have to set that tone for the relationship from the very beginning that you can't be expected to just do things. Yeah. Um, and that, yes, if you do want things done that way, then that's fine. You can go to somebody else. Um, because we do like to stick to our integrity as mad juice. Yeah. And there are things that we stand for. And um, yeah, we just, obviously we are accommodating 100%. But then there are things where it's like, you there are lines that you can't cross. Yeah, You know, like we will sit till five o'clock in the morning to finish a job 100%. Um, but that's only if it makes sense to do that. Yeah. If you're getting the respect. Yeah, exactly. It's very much about respect, yeah. which I think people, a lot of people forget about here. Marina, were you going to say something? Or we, how, yeah. I think it's quality over quantity. Yeah. So when you say, yeah, exactly. okay, so I can I can turn something around for you in 24 hours, but if you give me 48, yeah. then it's a exactly. totally different response. And, and so when I will receive briefs that say, okay, I need you to turn around a quote for Cirque du Soleil, and it's happening for six weeks in the kingdom, and it's, you know, in two weeks' time. I have to look at an asset base. I have to plan yeah, people yeah. at... And then they'll say, but I need it in two hours time. Okay, with all the best will in the world. And it's just about your response. And again, setting the parameters. Mm. Okay, if you give me this amount of time, then perhaps I can turn around something that's less ballpark and more realistic. But that's like when you're, that's very much when you're dealing with clients. But there's, I think there's also the same problem happening with your colleagues or your managers or the people that you report to. I mean, for me, I think just how I manage my team is very different in in that approach because yes, of course it's performance driven, but I equally know how difficult it is to actually get the right talent. Mm. So if you find that talent, you have to nurture it. You can't break it. Yeah. And there's some phenomenal companies out there that have actually looked at that method and built, you know, huge businesses out of it. Google, you know, I'm not saying Google's the best company to work for, but I'm saying that they got a couple of things right along the way. And if you nurture your talent and you grow your talent, you will have them for, you know, 10 years, 15 years, or even five years, but it's not that throwaway commodity. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, I guess, yes, of course, when you're looking for a promotion or you're looking for a salary increase, you do have to demonstrate some performance. Um, but I wouldn't say it's first in, first out. I'd say if you're talented, your work speaks mm. for itself. Mm. I agree. That's... And people should be confident in their talent. And I think maybe we are perhaps undermined in our workplaces so that we don't necessarily feel that we're talented. Um, but yeah, that's my take. Yeah. yeah. But I also think, um, I mean, what you were saying earlier, it also comes to sort of... Um, uh, a lack of maybe education, whether it's with clients or even with your own colleagues or an awareness about what people do. I mean, you see it as, as you were also saying, between departments in the same company or with a sort of um, client relationship as well. People just think that, oh, okay, you're you're creative, you're good at what you do. So just you can turn this around in two hours. They don't understand the whole process that goes behind mm, it, whether yeah. it's events, mm. whether it's anything, a marketing campaign. Um, so it's also where I think people are so focused on what they're doing. They just think that, okay, you can do this and here's the time, kind of two hours, do it, turn it around super, super quick. Um, But also, I mean, what you were talking about, when you have, you know, when you have a team or, or, you know, when, when you're kind of trying to, um, whether it's for a promotion or just proving yourself in a company, um, putting in so many hours, I think it also comes with age and maturity. Of course, when you're a lot younger, you have to prove yourself. Yeah. You don't know about the politics of working in a company. You don't know, you know, maybe the work itself, you're learning a lot on the job. So you're just putting, you know, 200% of yourself into it. And I think as you get older, you, you understand how can you actually manage your time? How can you manage your work? Um, and you know, as you were saying, if even in a company, whether same, like with a client, if you, 
um, position yourself in a certain way from the beginning, people do tend to respect that. Um, mm-hmm. And your work will speak for yeah. itself sooner yeah, or later. Um, and then I think that's super important, you know, especially if you're new in a company, the first thing that you do need to do is really make it clear, like, I will push myself and I will do this, um, but I will not cross these boundaries. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I will not be reachable on Friday or I will, <laughs> yeah. you know, and, and obviously, you know, there are exceptions, of course, to, to everything, but um, it's about sort of setting the boundaries and you, and it is, I think, um, very prominent here because it's such a fast paced region. Um, but you're starting to see the changes happen in other markets. You see in Scandinavia where they're cutting down weekdays, where they're increasing the weekends, they're mm-hmm. cutting down work hours because it really, I think has come to a point where it's, you know, to what end you can work for 24 hours and still have work. Yeah. You will never finish the work. You can yeah. keep on going. So, you know, it's up to companies and it's up to individuals to really say, okay, when is the time that I actually need to have a break to be able to refocus and come back refreshed and actually do my job properly. Otherwise your work does start to suffer. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think it's such a super, super important topic. You know, yeah. when it talks about burnout, I'm, uh, in the last while I've been having that all the time with mm-hmm. family, with friends and just sort of, you know, even with myself trying to see what are, what are my priorities? You know, how do I want to prioritize my personal life versus my, my work life? Um, and I'm constantly having arguments with my family as well, because they always telling me you're tired all the time. And Mm -hmm. we had full-time jobs. I mean, my mom was a lawyer, my dad works in construction as well. Um, and I keep trying to tell them it's so different nowadays because you are reachable. You're everything Mm -hmm. is faster before, you know, you didn't have emails. So to answer somebody on something, it took a lot longer. Now you have emails on your phone. You know, I'm, there are times when I'm probably shouldn't say this, but even driving home and I'm answering emails because it's just, it's an influx constantly Mm -hmm. of things coming in. It's just a barrage of traffic lights. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, um, I mentioned, I mentioned this in a previous podcast, so listeners might be familiar with the story, but I had asked my father, I was about maybe five or six years into my professional life and I needed a break so badly. And I told my dad, like, I can't do this. I need a break. And I felt terrible saying this to a man who has been working nonstop for, I don't like, I don't know, 30, 40 plus years. And I was telling them like, how how do you do it? How come I'm already at this stage where I, I need to just shut off and, and, and take a break? And he said, it's because your generation is always, always, always being like messaged and, and you're reached and you have notifications and your attention is being pulled in 50,000 directions. And it is nonstop. And that definitely impacts like mm-hmm. I think your ability to to take on things in life because it's just like it's like a constant like. Ding, 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 ding. Like it yeah. do- doesn't stop. Yeah, it is constant. You're almost being hounded 24 hours a day yeah. by your phone. Yeah. No matter who it is, no matter who it is, it all just kind of builds up, doesn't it? It's funny because we went sailing this year for holidays. Oh, wow. And the the things that you you really nature is just so, so glorious. Mm. Um, and I had very limited reception, and it was just perfect. Mm. Yeah. Sounds like um, heaven. <laughs> Because it wasn't, you know, on holiday generally, I will check my emails at least twice or three times a day. I'll be responsive and all the rest of it. So it really allowed me to mentally rest. Um, And it's still moments like um, waking up and listening to the water Mm. and having a coffee Mm. and just looking and appreciation of the beauty. Um, then it was spending some time with my mum because we brought our mums with with us, which was really, it was hilarious. But it was just perfect family interaction. Um, and then I remember going, we were going from Milan to back to Dubai and we were in the airport. And I said to Filippo, I don't know why I've got this real level of anxiety. Mm-hmm. What is this? And he said to me, me too. And then I said, it's people. <laughs> it's all of a sudden we've gone from like this really quiet life yeah. for two weeks to now all of a sudden you're seeing so many visual. And again, it's the it's the constant touch points or reach or messaging yeah. or, yeah. you know, wow. Yeah. And, and you, I really felt that. So I think every year we were going to try and at least take a week of doing something like that. So it keeps the the batteries recharged. Because if you go through that moment, then at least identify it and say, well, how can I help myself even once a year yeah. do something for me? Yeah. It's really, really hard to be connected all the time. And I think being connected all the time and that kind of feeling of anxiety that you get is something that you feel whether you're running your own business 
or you're climbing up the corporate ladder or whatever it is. Actually, a friend of mine calls our generation, generation anxiety. That's the truest thing. And I specifically recently have been noticing that I'm suffering. I've never been somebody that suffers from anxiety. Low patches of depression, to an extent, I think everybody experiences at Mm. different times of the year, whether it's the weather or just like work not going that well or stuff in your personal life. But I've been only recently over literally the last like two months have suddenly been suffering from anxiety. I haven't been able to put my finger on it yet, but I feel it's one of those things where it's multiple things that kind of build up that you don't realize, whether it's lots of things with work building up and then stuff in your social or personal life that kind of build up Mm. and then kind of all just merge into one big ball of anxiety and then you don't actually know where to start or how to make it better Mm. but I always find that for me it happens every for the last three years it has happened every single year to me in December I go through such a low a low patch and I don't know if that happens to anybody else but I don't know what it is about December I'd understand if I was like in the UK and the weather's really crap and you don't see the sun and you, you know, the sun goes down like three o'clock in the afternoon, but obviously it's not like that here, but there's just something about the end of the year. Um, I think maybe partly what it is, is the realization of how much you have done or how much you haven't done by the end of the year. It's kind of that thing of like, did I do enough? It's like retrospection. Yeah, I think it partly is that a little bit. Yeah. Do you worry that you don't do enough? Uh, sometimes, yeah. Sometimes me and Nicole have a go at each other. Like we shout at each other yeah. for each other. Yeah. Like, we you know, we'll say like, oh my God, we're such idiots. We should have done this and we should have done that. But then we have other times where we're like, nice one. We talk to ourselves and say like, nice <laughs> yeah. one. We did good. Yeah. We pulled that off. Yeah. We did it. <laughs> the voice inside your head can really be like your worst enemy or your oh, best yeah. friend. Yeah. 100%. There's, there's something that they... That there's a, a term I learned about a few years ago, which is called imposter syndrome. Yes. Are you familiar with it? Yes. Tell me, yeah. tell me, yeah, what's I've that? Had it. <laughs> imposter syndrome is basically when the voice inside your head tells you that who are you to be exper- who are you to be at the level at which you are? You haven't. How am I going to explain it correctly? You feel like an imposter in what you're doing. Yeah, you feel like people are going to realize that I'm not supposed to be at the head of my own company because I don't know anything. You start to doubt yourself. You start, do you guys ever experience imposter syndrome? Always. I do. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. One thing I have to say just to everybody who does feel like that sometimes, one thing that I've learned while I've been working and like, you know, meeting lots of different people, lots of different clients, people at different positions in different companies that almost everybody that I've dealt with actually doesn't really, really know exactly what they're doing. (laughs) I'm sorry, but I I have to say it. And I don't mean that in an nasty way because I like Nicole and I are learning every single day Yeah, because we didn't go from another job to this. We literally graduated from uni, took a bit of a break, um, decided we were like, okay, what should we do? How can we combine both of our, our skills um, to make something. And that's how Mad Juice happened. Um, so obviously the two of us together are learning all the time. And we've been in situations where we're like, okay, we're just going to have to fake it till we make it. Yeah, Fake it till you make it is the realest thing. And that is honestly the biggest advice that I can give to anybody. Because I don't think it's something to be ashamed of ever. Because Everybody is learning as they go along. There's nobody on this earth that knows 100% every single tiny detail of what they're doing. Yeah, Everybody's learning all the time. Yeah, And I just think maybe, I'm sure everybody has that little element of the imposter syndrome. No, is that I, what it was yeah, called? Yeah, imposter syndrome. <laughs> no, I think I've had yeah. that since, since I was in school. I always, yeah. that's exactly it. I always feel like somebody knows more than me, somebody's mm, better yeah. than me, and I'm always aiming to sort of get to that level. Um, and then it always feels like you're not good enough. But my uncle, he also has um, a few companies in, in the US, and he's always told me, confidence is key. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's a, he's American, mm-hmm. you know, Americans mm-hmm. really are taught to have a lot of confidence, mm-hmm. but he always tells me, he says, you know, look at this person or that person. Are they the best in that? Are they the, you know, best, are they good looking? Are they this? No, but they believe it. And so does everybody else just yeah. because they believe it. So that's hundred yeah. percent. I agree with you. It's mm-hmm. just being confident in what you do, but I think it's very tough, especially if you're able to self-reflect and if you're kind of a person that wants to learn, um, and wants to improve, you're always going to have that sort of 
feeling of doubt or, or, you know, mm-hmm. are you doing well enough? And there's so many times where I've also sat in meetings with people. I worked in an environmental consultancy and with, you know, a lot of pe- big companies and government entities and then, you know, in nightlife as well. And, and sometimes I sit in meetings and I think, how did this person get to where they are? I'm, yeah. I don't get yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> and I think to myself, you know, I, I should really be more confident in myself because yeah. Yeah, really uh, all of these should. people made it. But, yeah. um, but yeah, I think it's just, I think we all, yeah, feel like that a little bit here and there. Yeah. How yeah. do you feel imposter syndrome? Yeah, for sure. Uh, and it's interesting as we're talking, I then retrospectively think about, okay, but when I remember in like when I was 24 and I did this and I, you know, and then in 20, when I was 25, I looked back and said, wow, a year of being in the industry, I've grown so much. Mm. So I definitely have the imposter syndrome and I wish that we could perhaps think about what have we learned instead Mm. of beating ourselves up, Mm -hmm. going, okay, last year I didn't know X, Y, and Z. Now I know them. Mm -hmm. But I guess as, as I think I have the same thing with December Mm -hmm. and it's, it's my Novembers are always the the worst time of year because it's always the busiest time. So December I crash and then January I'm putting more pressure on myself because it's the to-do list. It's, that month, I think it's December, but more so January, oh, yeah. I go, oh, I need to achieve so much more this year. Yeah. Yeah. And yes, of course, there's the the New Year's resolutions. <laughs> and I'm a firm believer in it because you all we always have to, I think, push ourselves, but perhaps spoken like a true athlete. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I think what you said is so is so true because one of the ways to combat imposter syndrome is to remember what you've accomplished and to be proud of how mm-hmm. far you've come and to keep remembering and reminding yourself of what you've accomplished. So I'd like to ask you, what is it that you're most proud of in your career? Oh, wow. <laughs> come on, guys. You can <laughs> jump on the like anxiety conversation when it comes to... It and comes on that to note, proud. I think a lot of people... And maybe this is more particular to women, but we don't like to boast about our achievements. But I think that you should, (laughs) at least for the purpose of this podcast. (laughs) Um, I'm going to give a very um, marketing (laughs) answer to this (laughs) No, I mean, this is, it's not a cop out, I promise. But I mean, for me, I don't think I really have one thing that I'm proud of, because I think as you're, you know, growing in your career, you're starting to, you learn more, you do things, you change companies, you sometimes you change industries. Um, and there's, I mean, for me, I really can't say it. I've done amazing projects. I mean, working on something like a soul DXB, Mm. which is a huge project, you know, in Puma. And it's something that we pour months and months of work into. I mean, it's an accomplishment, but even, you know, doing really, really small projects with, um, with people. I mean, I, I've worked with, um, previously when I was in Red Bull, you know, we worked with musicians and we would take them to Red Bull Music Studios and just kind of seeing them, you know, be able to to fulfill one of their dreams. It's so fulfilling, mm-hmm. you know, back, back to myself or, or, you know, to the rest of the team that's working on it. Um, so I don't I can't say that there's anything really that I that was, you know, my greatest achievement. I think it's just all of these things that add up together. And then when you look back, you think, wow, there's some like great projects mm. and amazing people um, and amazing teams that you've worked with. And it's just so satisfying. And I think it's just at the end of the day, if you, you know, if your work is satisfying, it's, it's motivating to yourself. You're intrinsically motivated yeah. and you get excited, you know, to kind of come in to work the next day and work on the next project and kind of go for bigger and better stuff, I guess, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Ladies. I think oh, it's so, questions like this is so <laughs> difficult. Um, I have to say, though, I think I'm proud overall uh, of how much Nicole and I have achieved together. Um, I just am really proud overall. I mean, I'm 26, Nicole's 25, and we have our own company that's, you know, still growing, still functioning. Um, There are bumps along the way, but I am so proud of where we are. And um, we actually... We hired our first employee last month. Congratulations. So uh, super proud of that. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything in particular. Well, actually, a few months ago, we um, we are currently still working on something with Majid Jordan. 
um, the musicians. I think nice. that's I'm not, I don't want to say anything and then get in trouble because I don't think I'm allowed to, none of it's out yet. So I don't think I'm allowed to say anything, but that's definitely, that was definitely a moment, you know, on set being like, I really want to swear, but I won't. <laughs> <laughs> being on set and being like, wow. I'm here doing this right now. We've had people swear on the goodness podcast before. So you're <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What about you? Harriet? It's funny because as you were saying it, I got goosebumps for you. Oh, <laughs> that's so nice. <laughs> um, I, I think it's almost the same thing, you know. I'm going to take away from the corporation side and actually talk about idea because... We, you know, Felipe works on it full time and I kind of dip in and dip out. And I'm just so proud of what he has achieved in a really incredibly tough market. Mm. You know, he he is a fantastic, um, let me, hang on, I'm far too gushy there. No, Gush away. For me, I think the proud moments are the goosebump moments and there's certain projects that we're about to deliver. And again, I can't really talk too much about them, but from an architectural point of view, from an engineering point of view, these are really great projects to be delivering mm. in, you know, a few years of building a business. You know, it's, it's, I think the biggest thing for, certainly for him and also for me was making that mental switch from being your corporate and you get paid by the corporation to, okay, you have to deliver it yourself. Yeah. And what you were saying before about the, you know, the the fact that it's only you. It's, yeah. there's nobody else that's picking up the pieces. You have to deliver it yourself. Yeah. And I didn't think I was that strong enough to deliver everything. But I think that that's probably what I'm proud of the most. Yeah. I saw you outside taking photos of the lights. Like, why are you taking photos of the lamps? You're like, because ideas design them. It's good. It's really nice yeah. to be proud of your job. Mm. I think it's amazing. Have you, this is something I think about a lot, have, has your intuition or your gut instinct played a big role in your professional journey so far? Yeah, I'd say so. I mean, even with simple things like um, a client reaching out, mm. you just get this gut mm. feeling like, the, it's simple things like this is going to be a really difficult client or, you know, they're going to be a bit of a headache or there's going to be lots of back and forth with this. Um you just kind of know, mm. after you've had a set of quite a few clients, I think you get to a point where you're, you just know yeah. how it's going to go. Yeah. You know how it's going to go. Um, I'm trying to think if there's any other things. that. It's funny because when, when we get emails come through where it's an inquiry, you know, if even if it's just going to be a second quote, so you know how much time, if you really need yeah. to respond, how you respond, how you reverse out of it or whatever it is, the gut is everything. Yeah. And and that goes into even down to like payment, because let's talk about payment terms. You know, f for small agencies, it can really hurt somebody when they don't pay on time mm -hmm. yeah. or when they just choose not to pay. And they and there's there's a lot of that out there also. So and it's not just here in, in Dubai, it's it's everywhere. Mm -hmm. So it's it's really important important to make sure that you're secure and that's where I really lean on my gut yeah and if they can't if they can't perhaps pay up front it's okay what level of security and it's that relationship that you've got to go on to mm. ultimately mm. say yes or no yeah Marina. I think I think for myself I'm I mean I definitely rely, rely a lot on my gut feelings but mm. it's also been learning how to rely on my gut feelings one to let something go mm. because I always want to finish something, do it faster, do it now, mm. not wait for it. And I've learned that a lot of times when something just isn't going well and you let it go, there's a reason for that. And that means something, you know, you either needed to give it time to let something develop or you needed to um, let go of that to let another opportunity come. And um, that's a very hard thing for me personally. So mm -hmm. I think that sort of, you know, trusting your intuition in both you know, when to do something and when not to do something, when to step back, when to kind of push a little bit more um, and just kind of um, make things happen. So, yeah, I think I'm this and this, I have a similar sort of relationship with my intuition. It's usually when something is falling or, or something is not happening easily and, and you keep getting these blocks mm -hmm. one after the other. And then you're like, I'm just going to let go of this. Mm -hmm. And then it, it comes to light like a few weeks later that thank God you did because yeah. Yeah. it would have been a terrible yeah. project yeah. to be on or yeah. the event that you were going to organize actually Dubai is hosting like their biggest fireworks show of the year on that day. And yeah, yeah it's just things always come mm -hmm. to light. 
other than your intuition, have you relied on other people and have you found mentors? Have you, I mean, I'm guessing you and Nicole are able to rely on each other a lot because you have that partnership, but do you have anyone else? Have you brought on board mentors? Yeah. Yeah. So actually this is one thing that I actually really wanted to speak about. Um, There are a few people that we do look at as mentors. Mm. And funnily enough, there are people that are in the same industry that technically are competitors. But I think now it's not so much that dog eat dog Mm. type of competition anymore. It doesn't really work like that because I think then you suffer more than anybody else does. And so, you know, we have a few people, um, we have our mentor who we call our work dad, Hisham, who is with Freedom Agency. He owns Freedom Agency. He has pushed so much work our way. He's always there for us to give him a call when we're having a panic or we don't know how to price something or we need his input with something or whatever we need from him, he's always ready. And then also um, Natalie Lyons and uh, Liz Wentling so they own Slate Agency mm-hmm. and they have given us so much guidance from the start because they went through the exact same journey as us but they did it before we did and they've always been there for us to ask questions give us advice so willingly as well it's never been this even though technically they are our competitors if not direct but secondary mm. competitors um They've always been there to help. And I think that that's so important. And I hope that like eventually once Nicole and I get to, you know, once Mad Juice gets to a stage that, you know, people, you know, younger people that are trying to do the same thing, whether it's the same industry or not, will feel that they can come to us and ask for advice. I think the biggest thing that we've learned is, or specifically for me, is to never be afraid to ask for help, ever be afraid to ask for help. Yeah. Or too proud to ask for help yeah. as well. Yeah. I think yeah. pr- pride is a big thing that comes into play when it comes to, you know, admitting that you need help or that you don't know how to do something. Um, but yeah, I think it's important. That's so nice to have someone who can, you can turn to and ask these yeah. questions to. Yeah. That's it's so made lucky. the biggest difference for us because it means that we've been able to, you know, there's certain mistakes that, you know, or hurdles that we've managed to skip past mm. because we've had somebody to tell us like, you know exactly what happened to them. So yeah, no, it's made the biggest difference having people to rely on outside of each other. But obviously, Nicole and I can rely on each other. We've known each other since we were in grade one. So we have, you know, we are always able to rely on each other. But it's important to have those people outside, whether it's family or, you know, people in the industry Mm -hmm. or in a different industry, whoever it is, just having somebody that can give you little bits of advice. Yeah. Yeah. I think in my case, my I use my husband as a sounding board a lot, although he's like in a totally different industry. He's in construction, Mm -hmm. but it's more because he's like a, he's very matter of fact about business and I can sometimes be a little bit emotional about Mm -hmm. it. So I usually like, we'll sit down at dinner and I'll hijack the conversation. I'll be like, okay, this is, this is happening. What do you think? And he'll give me like a very like sensical answer I don't even know if that's a word we'll but make it well. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is now yeah it's like a very <laughs> rational answer and I'm like oh okay it's nice to see it from that perspective do you guys have mentors um I mean I think I've definitely had mentors in the sense the traditional sense of directors or bosses mm. um but I think also mentors that are peers and even people that are younger than you. Mm-hmm. Um, the other day I was actually having a conversation with our managing director and he said, you know, what, what's one of the key aspects of um, diversity? And we were talking about age because people at different ages have had different experiences. Mm-hmm. They've grown up um, and been raised to think differently, especially when it comes to the corporate environment or living their personal lives. Um, and I think sort of having, you know, I have my colleague Thais, who you guys all know, um, you know, she's in a way, I'm a mentor to her, but she's also a mentor to me. I, you know, mm. I really value her opinion, um, you know, people in the rest of the team. Um, and the same thing, you know, people who are your friends, who know you really well, your family. Um, so I think it's kind of getting a little bit from every mm. person mm. Um, and different perspectives. But then at the end of the day, just kind of going forward with what following your gut yeah. <laughs> kind of going forward what you think mm-hmm. is is right as well um but yeah i think it's definitely important to get a lot of different perspectives um from different people 
Yeah, I think the the journey on the rise, just to bring it back to our topic today, is a lot more enjoyable when you have people with you, people yeah. on your mm. team and people mm. to rely on. Yeah. Otherwise, I imagine it could be really lonely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you want to add anything on mentors? It, yeah, I mean, we have, um, I'm very fortunate to have my uncle here. And, you know, mm. he's a man of in business here for over 30 years. So he has a lot of different um, approaches, how he's managed a business and grew it and then ultimately sold it to Mm. a corporation. So we have every Friday um, a battleship breakfast. So we go to um, we go to Dosk and every single Friday, um, even though he's my managing director in the office, he's also my mentor in life, but also just generally having some family quality time. That's so nice. And it's it's called the battleship breakfast because once <laughs> upon a time there was a, the, the breakfast was called battleship. It's not like we're trying to conquer the world, but it's... Um, it's refreshing because we walk out every Friday and it's, it's literally something we don't move. Even like meetings that you'll move around, this one, it's there every single week. Mm. And we, I come out and learn something every, every single Friday. I come out and I say, I didn't know that before. And it's not because I'm craving to knowledge. It's just, it's just com- simple conversation about different things. And it's, it's perfect. That's so nice. I asked a few of our, well, I put a question on Instagram and asked our our readers or followers to submit a few questions. And we've spoken about a lot of things that they asked about, but one that came back was, kept coming back was, would you wish you had known before you started your business or what do you wish you had known when you were younger and getting into the workforce? (laughs) That's actually so hard Mm. because there's loads of things. I mean, it's a little bit like what you were saying before. It's not everybody knows what they're talking about. Yeah. So at least have the confidence in yourself that even if you don't have that ability right now, you can get to that point. Yeah. Um, and don't be don't be scared. You know, go go at something head on, face mm. on. Ask for help when needed, and and just craft your own way. Ha- but have the confidence in your or have some conviction in what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah, you just have to kind of remind yourself that mm. everybody started mm. somewhere. Yes. And you have yes. to start somewhere. Yes. Um, yeah, I think that's a very important thing. But yeah, confidence, 100%. But every, I mean, confidence is difficult for everybody. You always have those moments where your confidence gets a bit knocked. Yeah. I think no matter what industry. It, it, confidence for me is, be, it's not just being able to walk into a room and say, hi, my name is, yeah. and having this overwhelming sense of confidence. Actually, the best times that I'm probably confident is when I'm showcasing what I can do. Yeah. Instead of trying to pitch it, I'm just, I'm just me. Yeah. So you don't necessarily have to have the confidence. It's, it's just your confidence comes out in a different way. Yeah. Mm. So it's not the stereotype. What I mean by that is it's not the stereotypical com- confidence. confidence. Yeah. 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 It's when you can showcase what mm. you can actually mm. do. Yeah. Yeah. I think in my case, the, the one thing I wish I had known and I keep, I keep repeating it when I journal is like, I need to trust myself more. I need to realize that I got to where I am today because I have abilities but my instinct is always, again, to second guess myself and doubt mm-hmm. myself. Yeah. And I think fear plays a big part in that. Yeah. But I think just one point on failure, which you which you raised, I was reading an article um, a couple of months ago that was talking about why um, a lot of men who are maybe not so competent uh, become leaders while less women do. And one of the reasons was that as children, women are not taught to fail. Men, you know, when they're little boys, you say, okay, you can climb up that tree and you can fall down and it's fine and you can hurt yourself and get back up. But with girls, you know, it's always the approach of don't hurt yourself, don't fall down, don't do this. And it actually Mm, becomes very ingrained in you to um, not want to sort of make the mistake and not want to fail because that's how you're taught. You're always taught, you know, um, be careful what you're doing and just, you know, make sure you don't hurt yourself. And that sort of stays a lot um, in people's minds. Um, but also going back to, to your question, um, and I think it was something that I only, that dawned upon me a few years ago was that, um, 
it's fine to not know what you want to do and it's fine yes. to keep changing that. Mm. And I yes. think, you know, I grew up in Canada and already in grade 10, you have to start picking um, the subjects that you will finish in order to be able to get into the university or the course of study that you want. And that's, you know, you're 16 at the time, 15 at the time, depending, you know, and um, you have no idea what you want to do. Mm. And it's also until you start working that's the only time that you actually figure out, oh, this is what I like and this is what I don't like. I mean, for a very long time, I thought that I wanted to get into PR. I had a little brief stint with that. I realized this is definitely not for me. I never thought I'd end up doing events or, um, you know, a lot of things that I'm doing now. Uh, and I think it's, and that's fine, but I've always felt this pressure of, oh, I have to know now because I've seen friends who always knew they wanted to be architects and they always mm. knew they wanted to do this. And that was their, you know, lifelong dream. But for me, I've always kind of been a jack of all trades and been interested in different yeah. things. And I think, you know, you just have to sort of let um, life take its course and see where you end up going. And it's fine to try things and start over again. It's never yeah. really too late to start. Even if you're 25 or 30 or 35 or 40, you can learn new skills and kind of go into a completely different industry. And I think a lot of us are afraid to do that. We yeah. just think, oh, we've, we've invested seven years or eight years or 10 years of our life doing this, I'm not going to just let it go now and do something else that I have no idea what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, but that's fine too. So it's kind of having the confidence to do that yeah. as well. Yeah. Oh, I think it's very I brave to make that. that. Yeah, yeah it's very brave so to make much. that shift. I went through the exact same thing and there's this pressure that's put on you. So like at school, you do your, at the school I went to, we did GCSEs. Um, and then after that, I moved on to IB and like, just the simple thing of choosing subjects. It was drilled into our brains that whatever subjects you choose now while you're mm. in school mm. and you're literally mm. 17 years mm. old are going to determine the rest of your life. And that for me is so wrong. Yeah. So, so wrong because I remember the amount of anxiety of I do not know what the hell I want to do with my life. And like to ask an 18 year old to decide what they want to do for the rest of their lives, I think is cruel. To be honest, there's so many different things that I want to do. I mean, I joked with you guys earlier that I wanted to be a pirate. I wanted to work, I wanted to work yeah. at Spinney's. Um, <laughs> I literally wanted to work at the till at Spinney's. They're fascinated me. Um, never say but, never. Yeah, so never I worked at Tesco's. Did and you? I can tell you that till, it ain't no good. <laughs> no, it's not serious. It's, like, no. it's not um, that glamorous. But yeah, there's so many things I wanted to do. I wanted to be an actress. This, And, you know, initially that is what mm. I did. I went to the UK. Um, I did a foundation course in acting. I then was trying out for drama school. And then my dad, unfortunately, he did appreciate. So my dad is Emirati. Mm. Um, and for him, it was very much that he wanted me to have a solid degree to be able to fall back on. Because he never said to me, you can never do that. You cannot be an actress. Like, if that is what you want to do, do it. But I would prefer for you to have a solid degree to fall back on just because you never know what's going to what what's going to happen yeah. which at the time I was like I hate this and I don't want to do this but because I then decided to go get a degree and I studied creative advertising I now have mad juice mm. so it's all very much like you said of kind of just going with it and seeing mm. where it takes you there definitely are people that um want to be a doctor know they want to be a doctor and then they go study and they're a doctor and that's what they do forever that's one of those works. careers where you have exactly. to commit yeah. From yeah. exactly but i know i know a friend who's a lawyer and he currently is sitting for his bar he's already done the uh uk bar and then is going to do the the new york one um but he doesn't want he doesn't want to be a lawyer anymore mm. and i think that's so brave yeah. After all of that to decide, he's put himself through so much. He's worked so hard, but he's realized that it doesn't suit him. That environment, a very, very corporate environment like that doesn't suit him at all. And he's not happy. So he's made the decision that he is going to sit his bar, but he he doesn't think yeah. that that's what he wants to do. And it's it's just you have to listen to yourself and you need to know when you're happy and like where you fit in, where you don't. Yeah. Because otherwise you're just going to be miserable. I think for our generation, maybe more than previous generations, happiness is playing a very big part in our choice of careers or choice yeah. of profession. So I am I'm similar to your story. I have friends who are leaving corporate jobs and, and sort of following their hearts to mm. open um, like surf shacks on the beach or, you know, like yeah. the, dream, <laughs> the dream life. But I wanted to just bring it back to something you said, Marina 
about failure. And you're so right, because we grow up with this fear of failing, but there's nothing wrong with failure. Yeah. There's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with failure as long as you learn from it. Mm-hmm. Then what do they say? F- fail forward? Fail fast and fail forward. Mm-hmm. I think that's like a, something that I had heard from other entrepreneurs on other podcasts. Mm-hmm. But um, I think as long as you are learning from from what you're doing, like I was telling my husband, whatever happens with the business, with the business right now, um, for me, it just feels like a really amazing MBA because I'm learning on the go. And no matter yeah. what happens, mm-hmm. I have picked up all of this knowledge, which I can apply in hundred other places. Yeah, I exactly. hope it doesn't fail because I love what I do. But yeah. just as a, yeah. But yeah, you're allowed to make mistakes. Yeah. Everyone's allowed to make mistakes. And obviously there are consequences, some a little bit scarier than others. But I mean, we've made mistakes. We've made yeah. so many mistakes on mm-hmm. jobs and it's just something that you take note of and be like, right, so we definitely don't do that again. Yeah. You know, it's just something you have to take on because it's part of it. Yeah, as long exactly. Because I don't as long think you can learning. get better at anything without messing up. Mm. I was just going to say that yeah. if you don't, yeah. if you don't fail, you're not going to develop. Yeah, because you're always going to be in in that one position. Yeah, mm. there was an actor, or an, sorry, I think it was an actress or a singer or someone famous who who had said, and I don't know if this is going to ring a bell for you, ladies, or not, but she had said that. Every day at the dinner table, her dad would ask them, so what did you fail at today? Hmm. If I'm not mistaken, it was, um, I, her name does, I can't remember her name right now, but it was the girl who, who started Spanx. Oh. She's like a self-made billionaire. I right? listened to yeah. a podcast about her. If I'm not mistaken, it was her. And, and yeah, she has an amazing story. And, and maybe one day we'll have her on the Goodness Podcast. <laughs> who knows? But she... Her, her her father used to ask them around the dinner table, what did you fail at today? Because he wanted them to learn that it's okay to fail regularly as long as you are learning something and taking something from it, which I think is amazing. Yeah. So just to wrap things up, mm-hmm. because we have been at this for a while, <laughs> and it's been amazing talking to you. I wanted to ask you, how do you self-care? How do you unwind at the end of, the long, of a long day? Because... We've touched on we've touched on burnout and the importance of mental health and how easy it is to be not for it to be knocked or how how fragile the balance is sometimes when you're working at 100 kilometers per hour or 120 mm-hmm. kilometers per hour. How do you find rest and relaxation and how do you reset? Well, OK, for me, it's actually quite I mean, yeah, it is pretty simple. I just have to really listen to myself. Um, and I feel like over the last year, I've gotten more and more in tune with, with myself and looking at my, like, you know, looking at myself internally. And it's just about knowing what you need and what you're lacking. So if I've been busy nonstop and have been working nonstop, um, and have been dealing with lots of people, I know that when it gets to the end of the day, I need those few minutes to just sit by myself and enjoy being by myself. And then if I've been isolating myself and working lots, but just by myself, isolating myself, I know that I need to just go out literally, even if it's for an hour or go to someone's house and just sit and socialize for a little bit or spend some time with my family. So I think it's just up to the individual and being able to understand what it is exactly that you need Mm. at the time Mm -hmm. because it's different for me all the time sometimes it'll be just having a bath and having a glass of wine or sitting and reading a book or it'll be going like hardcore on a night out you know so it's just what you need at the time and what you feel you've Mm. been lacking that's how it works for me anyway what about you marina um i mean i think i sort of see in terms of resetting i i break it out into weeks rather than days. So for me, I know that some days I'm going to have, you know, be super busy after work. Um, some days I want to do nothing, but as long as I have a balance within one week of having social time, working out, um, seeing family, um, I do, I'm still learning a language at the same time. So wow. just having, wow. a, you know, this balance that I feel like within the week I've accomplished a lot in my personal time, then I feel happy. If I feel like my whole week and if I haven't had that work-life balance, this is where I start to really have a lot of frustration and then the anxiety starts building up. Mm. Weekends for me are golden. I'm super active on a weekend. I'll wake up early and I'll try to do 15 things at once. So I cram a whole week's worth of personal time into two days. 
Um, so it gets exhausting, but as long as I feel like I've had that balance and I've done, you know, I've had a, a week where I can look back and say a lot of great things have happened to me at work in my personal life with my friends, mm -hmm. um, then that makes me really happy. <laughs> hmm, you sound like you're so put together <laughs> because what I'm about to say is like, yeah, I, I really need to take parts of what you've both just said mm -hmm. because I don't do that. Um, and I guess it all goes back to sport for me um, because I didn't go into a career where I was so active. I feel like training is my outlet. Mm. So if I, um, mostly in the mornings, um, so it sets me up for the day. So I feel so energized and it's funny. So I've just started training again in the morning and my team are all like, yeah, we can tell you're so much happier. And I'm like, is it that obvious? <laughs> but it is. Um, and <clears throat> there's a couple of other things that I do in the evening to check out, which um, you're all going to laugh now when I ex when I describe this. I'm excited um, to hear this now. Oh, so I did some Tibetan sound healing. Okay. Oh, wow. Oh my goodness me. So it, it's essentially, it centralizes and calms the central nervous system. And I have never slept so well so, so when I did it for the first time and it was, now I just listen to YouTube clips and it just, it calms me. I have this thing called the bed of prickles and it's really called a Shakti mat. I think it's called Shakti. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's a meter by 50 centimeters and you lay on it. So, you know, if you suffer from back pain, this is what, how I actually stumbled across it. I suffer from a really uh, low, weak Low, lower back mm -hmm. um and so this thing kind of like knocks you out it's it is kind of really small round prickles um you can buy it off amazon for like 100 dirhams okay. it is just brilliant um but it knocks you out because again i feel like it it taps into nerves that you just simply can't reach when especially if you've had a really stressful day mm. and I often notice that my body reacts in very different ways to it so if you were to lay on it from one day to the next you'll have a totally different feeling sometimes the sensation is too too much so you know that your body is really tense mm. and it's it's remarkable because then I then I listen to myself and say okay you know tomorrow I'm not going to push as hard mm. um and I have the best night's sleep when I, I lay on that thing. I've fallen asleep on it. You're only supposed to do like 20 minutes. <laughs> I've woken up and I'm like two hours later. Okay. <laughs> I was going to ask you if it's something that you actually sleep on and put in your bed or it's something that you just lay on. You just lay on, um, mm. you know, lay it on your mattress and, and just go and try it even for five minutes because sometimes it, it's it's painful. It takes a little bit of getting used to. Mm. But on top of that and the sound healing, boom. Best I'm definitely going to try that. I'm that sounds try awesome. That, that sounds Me effective too. as hell. Yeah, mm. I'm definitely going to try that. All yeah. right. Thank you so much, ladies. It's Thank been you. really, really cool Thank having you, you on the you. podcast today. And um, let's do this again sometime. Yes, please. <laughs> Happy Women's Day. Happy, Happy International Women's, Women's Day. Day. <laughs> Thanks for listening today. If you're not familiar with goodness, head to www.goodness.me to access the online platform and articles and follow us at goodness on Instagram. If you enjoyed this podcast, please rate, review and share it and we'll see you next week.